You've landed on The Substance, a podcast aimed at being biblical, thoughtful, and human. Join us every other week here as we engage the culture without the culture war. I'm your host, Philip Marinello, joined by my buddies, my co-hosts, my friends here, Trevor Aiken. What up, gentlemen? And Vincent Edwards. What's going on? Vincent D. Edwards. How's it going, man? (laughs) uh that was yo that was a pretty that was a pretty good i was so off i was so off on that episode man it was uh (laughs) it was quite the editing job to get it listenable so hopefully this one will this one will be a little smoother yeah we'll do our best the substance is a christian variety show podcast and every other week we talk for about an hour or so about something related to christianity culture and the arts Sometimes we have great guests on to talk with. Uh, previous guests include Jamar Tisby, Karen Swallow Pryor, Brett McCracken, and Caitlin Shess. Other times uh, we just chop it up amongst ourselves. And at the end, we share some shout outs of things that we've been finding enjoyable or edifying recently. Now, uh, fellas, hey, we're back on a reflex, not talking about abuse in the church. Hey. Yeah. There it is. <laughs> it's exciting. We did it. It's been about since March since we've done a reflex that wasn't about church abuse. I'm I'm excited. I mean, this is not well, a light topic. I remember my uh yeah, let's my, not celebrate uh, too early here. <laughs> sure. No, I'm not, I'm not necessarily celebrating. Um, but I remember my apprehension when we first covered abortion in the 40 something uh episode number, and I was not eager for it, but now it's like, well, um, it's, we can't not talk about it. I'm glad we've had a little bit of time. A lot of other podcasts seemingly put out episodes immediately on it. And I'm like, wow. I mean, there's definitely some good, thoughtful takes out there. Mm-hmm. But I was glad to have, to not feel rushed. Like, being an independent content creator, now we're doing those bi-weekly shows. We got over 100 episodes of quality, uh, evergreen content. And if you're newer to the show, you can kind of go back through. But it is nice to have have that buffer of a week to prepare and get ready uh, especially with kids and all that i'm i'm really enjoying the new schedule for sure nice cool uh, <laughs> so um we solved abortion right guys <laughs> i thought we fixed it all when we had that one last episode we like told everybody the different ways that you could approach it with nuance and then 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 it was just done right supreme court's like yeah let's let's go with this yeah, it's definitely uh, something we didn't anticipate would happen, especially in our lifetime. But yeah. like, I wonder if legitimately sure anyone ever thought this would really happen. I I feel like there are some people who are saying it, but everybody is like, "Yo, you're you kind of like Chicken Little on this one. Like, there's there's just no way." Well, it's just like the hey, there's a way that like my independent candidate that nobody's ever heard of can like win the presidency and get all these like loopholes and crazy things. It's like, yeah, sure. That's possible, but like that's not going to happen. Um, yeah, that was kind of in, in my mind. It was always like, yeah, like here's how we're going to overturn Roe. And yeah. I mean, there was a time where I was like, oh, we should do that. Yeah. <laughs> but even kind of when I got some more nuance, I was like, well, we'll probably never have to deal with the ramifications of that happening. And then, boom. but uh, here we are. It done happened. And then they're like, recess. See you later, guys. <laughs> yeah, for real. Yeah. They had a ruckus one. And before we get into all of what's good and bad about what went down, which might be crazy for some people to think when they hear that, they might just be like, wait, what? There's maybe a downside here. Or the flip side. Or, yeah, there's there's strong opinions on both sides for sure. There's a question, because we were making a point about voting, 
and how the abortion issue factors into voting. And does this justify? I think that's one of the, the first questions that we should maybe talk through is like some people will be like, see, it's all worth it. You know, President Trump and all the other, you know, different things that have happened over the years, policy wise. Um, and, and we've talked about some of the different issues policy wise and things like that on the, on the show before. Maybe not too much. We try to, we don't get too, too deep into politics as much as prescribing a good way to approach it. But like, you know, knowing that there's, the the issues, moral issues, um, the credibility of the church, which definitely took a hit over the last four years, five years, um, and things like that. It, was it worth it? You know, because I think Someone's, some people like, see like, this is see? the goal. Yeah, this was the goal that many people have had in their sights for decades. Yeah. So plenty yeah. of people are like, yeah, this is why we voted that way. Awesome. <laughs> yeah, but, Just, but what do you guys think? Is that is that a good and and helpful and and righteous perspective? Uh, no. <laughs> <laughs> Please elaborate. Um, so there, there's two things that come to my mind. One is really asking the question: What were you trying to do? You were trying to accomplish this, and this thing happened. So your voting was to win a topic, or to actually uh, lob for things that are going to help our fellow neighbors. And I feel like it was more about winning the topic of Roe v. Wade because of its moral implications rather than the actual impact of helping people. Well, and that's my frustration. So back on episode 40, whatever, um, when we talked about this, a lot of people misunderstand the issue fundamentally. Right. The idea of overturning Roe v. Wade and really even what goes into, quote unquote, the abortion discussion, like the major factors at play that factor into large numbers of women seeking abortions or at least wanting it to be safely, quote unquote, on the table. Most people don't understand that. And then you have those people who don't understand it kind of being radicalized or just kind of led along to be like, okay, this thing you don't understand, let's throw out all of our morals, throw out all of our ethics, and at any means necessary, attain yeah. these means that we might be ignorant about. And right. now it's happened. So like somebody who truly cares about life and yes. like I hear people talk about flourishing, like a good mm -hmm. life for everybody involved, mother, father, child, yes. and society. Yeah. And the good of all, it's we're really, really in a challenging circumstance right now. Yeah. Yeah. You know, there's a thought that comes to my mind because we we've had conversations about um, CRT and systemic racism. And, and the reason why these two things bleed in is because there was there was this rhetoric that I heard when protests were going on in the pulpit of like, we cannot have a perfect world on this side of heaven. But then on this particular thing, this is like, this is one more step to basically this idea that there's going to be 0% abortions. No one's going to do it or be able to do it. And so it's like, wait, perfection on the topic of racism can't happen until Jesus comes. But perfection on the topic of abortion can happen on this side of heaven. 
That's a really good. You're talking yeah. about how they approach it, like yeah. the just preach the gospel versus legislate, legislate, legislate. Exactly. Right. Yeah, it, it seems a bit. It, yeah. I'm just gonna keep it real. It seems hypocritical. Yeah. No, you. I think that's a really good double standard call out there because that's real. It's insane. Yeah. It's so like blatantly hypocritical. And I and I think we need to remember that the ends don't justify the means either. Yeah. A lot of people traded using the yeah there's all this moral issue but this over here but we can see that the church did lose a lot of credibility like you look at since 2017 right the amount of people who are church going has has dropped precipitously i think a new poll came out right so it's like Mm. there's you know winning the battle and losing the war a pyrrhic victory right and so i think that there are ways in which we could say that well, and again what battle did they tr- like and we'll get to this but like what battle did they even win like they were given a mission statement by people who kind of used like the the western evangelical church mm-hmm. was kind of co-opted in ways by a political parties saying here's our ends like we are now giving this to you church like the church in america didn't always have that priority yeah, they were kind of given that priority, and now they've they've been going so long, and they've what like, yeah. is this even theirs? Like, I think that's a valid part of the discussion right. too. And I think now that this issue has been accomplished in this way as well, it won't stop people from being single issue or being told to be single issue around this particular topic either, right? So like, right. this isn't like, hey, we accomplished it now, you know. Vote with nuance, like vote with, you know, look through, <laughs> look, look through the morality, right. look through the policy choices, look through the impacts, do some, do some sure. reading sociologically. Like, no, it's not going to be that. It's just going to be on to the next thing, which we'll talk about that some too. But like, Oof. you know, I, I think that that is, is some of the problem of trading everything for this thing. Now, that being said, I want to say, and maybe this is too early of a transition, but I'm going to go ahead and, and say it anyway, is that. I think that overturning Roe was a good thing. Now, I you you said good and bad. I want to hear about that. So, like, I'd like to hear more practical good than theoretical good. Well, okay. So, I've been reading some news reports here and there. And from what I've seen, one, whatever early numbers they have, actual number of abortions is down post-Roe. Just the threat of legality going away had a big impact. It's also had some of the other impacts we talked about, like burdening people to travel and stuff like that. However, that's been down. The other thing is like other forms of contraception seem to be up, which I also, I consider that a good thing. You know what I mean? Like it seems like there are cases, some limited early, right? This is still really fresh, right? We, this is something we're really going to need to measure. Like we can measure the impact of Roe over decades, right? Um, right. And and we're literally less than a, a a couple months into the full actuality of this. So, you know, early data looks promising on it may have the effect of some people because abortion's not an option to use as contraception, basically turning to other methods of humane contraception where we're not killing a, a human being. So I, I no. take that as a net positive. I think everything I've read in general. I like I said I don't think it's unwashed good. I don't think it's like total wins across the board. I think that there are some negatives as well. But I do think on the whole it looks like a net good in my eyes. Okay. 
so you said a couple of things that I'm curious about because on our previous uh, episode on abortion, we've talked when talking about taking the life of a child versus like when does life begin? Because that when does life begin? Rather, because that's that's part of this discussion too. So if you're looking oh, yeah. at general abortion numbers versus when, like all the things that I have seen, and I, I probably have not done as much research as you, Trev. We allow abortion, like we previously have allowed abortions to go very far. Yeah. But it's, that is not when most abortions happen. So right. like I understand closing the window theoretically, but like, it's not like something that was happening in large quantities either. Yeah. It, and that's the so thing too, is that will be killed. Like, is that true? Yeah. I think I think some of it could be too like people don't necessarily act perfectly logically on this issue, right? Like they don't really understand. <laughs> that that's that's a good understatement there. You know, like people don't really understand the law, they don't understand um the the complexities of it, they don't understand the nuances of it, and I think that that bears out in discussions like I was seeing uh one article talking about how like we're really diverging from the rest of the developing world. France is going one way with abortions and we're going the other way. And I'm like, that is such an astounding take because France, until literally this year, banned all abortions post 16 weeks. So, like, actually, we're but not. But that's closer. when most of them happen here anyway. Right. But, but like, now we're more. Yeah, yeah, pre pre sixteen so, weeks. You I mean? would be yeah. So I would be oh, more yeah, for but, that. But yeah, we're actually closer now to because that was the the Mississippi law was a sixteen week law, right? Like the we're actually closer now to to France where France is at than we were pre row being overturned. So I you know th- like I said, I think there's a lot of rhetoric on both sides that that is just rah rah drum up the bass like. On the one side, you know, oh, we're we're becoming the hands handmaid's tale, and and just Christian theocracy is is just trying to reign. Which there are some legitimate concerns yeah. there, absolutely. Sure. And on the other side, it's the you know these people are just child murders, blah blah blah, and it's you know we need to criminalize and charge every single mother against us with murder. Like, and everybody who doesn't understand that is just basically an animal. It's like, well, and the, the societal and economic and health structures that all play into these things are completely out of it. Like my position, similarly on the abortion episode here, part of my biggest frustration is that like we have all these societal and systemic issues. Abortion is a manifestation of part of it. And we're like, go to the very end of it and criminalize that last thing. Yeah. 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 That's like, (laughs) that's what I tell people. Like we approach this as people who want, less and no abortions right like if we start there okay what what's the goal i want well i want father a mother and a child to be able to be happy supported or have have their options so that that child can can find a family that will be there and happy and supportive and be resourced to get them what they need to be able to thrive and live an, uh, a life where they can have opportunity and pursue it, right? Like, that's what I want, right? And, and killing, killing the child at, at a certain age, like, that's not solving that either at, at some level. So, no, I don't want an abortion. We can talk about the where does life begin, because that's actually even more important now. Um, 
yeah. in a second. But on the other side is, are we actually accomplishing that just by criminalizing things like Philip saying, or are there things, sociological causes, resource causes, economic causes that we need to be looking at? And like, if we got rid of the cause, it's like, it's like, how do you treat your weeds, you know, in your yard? Yeah, you could take a weed whacker to them and just, you know, whack them all down. What's going to happen? Next time it rains, they come right back up. If you pull stuff out by the root, if you actually lay good hedges, if you actually, you know, remulch the area, if you actually take care of it from the bottom up, you take care of the cause, the root cause, that's why they call it that, you know, of the issue, then you actually solve it. So that's... And because I, of I, the indifference yeah. that I see, a lot of people who... They're single issue voters. There have been single issue voters on we need to criminalize abortion have either been passive or actively against a lot of these other measures that bring stability and and comfort and mm-hmm. social safety nets and like good health care and these things that tend towards mothers and fathers staying together and mothers, whether they're single or otherwise, being able to have kids and not feeling like, hey, I need to, like, I, I don't think I can have a child. I don't think I can support yeah. a child. I don't think yeah. I can take care of a child. What? And if we're like, we don't care about those things or actively antagonistic to them, how are we going to say, we, we want life? Like, we want to protect life. It's like, do we? Do yeah. you? One other pitfall I think we can fall into on the conservative side that I want to mention here at the top as well is is equating the abortion issue with sexual ethics issues. Mm. I think that is a mistake. There, there is there some relation there? Yeah, sure. But are they the same issue? Like somebody, I, I was talking with someone who's like, well, if we just solved, you know, if if people just you know wouldn't have sex outside of marriage or whatever like if people just return to se- sexual ethics and sexual norms like then abortion wouldn't be an issue false <laughs> like that's of objective like throughout history if you look at um infanticide of any form throughout history it, it happened in all sorts of different course, cultures where there's all sorts of different marital family norms so it's like it and there's a lot of cases throughout history you can look at and even now presently of married women in, in a situation where they might be seeking an abortion. So it's like, it it really doesn't have a lot. You know what I mean? Like it's, it's not, they're not the same issue. There might be some correlation, but we cannot just say, Oh, well just all just, I mean, all these promiscuous women, like if they just stop being so promiscuous, then we would, we wouldn't have this problem or promiscuous men. It's like, no, promiscuity is its own issue like it's it's worth talking about but but that's not this issue this is its own thing true yeah and also what comes to mind because it feels like for those who are celebrating the overturning of roe v wade as a, a victory for god or a victory for christ or whatever um i think is missing the the fact and we talked about this in our good samaritan episode um i believe as well as the abortion uh episode previously about how basically we are trying to obey a part of scripture but in order to obey it we have to sacrifice another part of scripture mm. meaning like okay if if love god and love neighbor is the commandment that we're given then to love god is to love his word and his word says that you know 
life is precious and killing is immoral. And so, especially when they're going down the road of criminalization, it almost is saying, okay, so in order for us to obey God on this issue, then we have to sacrifice our neighbor. There's no love for our neighbor Mm -hmm. um, because everybody who is involved in this in any way, there's no sympathy to be given. There is no um, compassion to be given for these young ladies because not every, like you said, not every situation is just, you know, promiscuity or uh, just being flagrant in that way. Um, There's a lot of nuance and a lot of different situations that could render that to abortion to be an option and so it's 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 almost pitting one part of scripture against the other part of scripture in order to say we're doing a moral good Mm. whereas it's like that's that's not how you read the bible and that's definitely not how you practice what the word says yeah man exactly i think i think keeping like colossians 3 and the kind of people we need to be yeah how we should treat our neighbor and all of this as center is super helpful. And especially as like, I'm, I'm in a, my workplace is fairly liberal. And if you know me, you know that that means that like 80% of the time I probably rock with them. And then the other 20% of the time I super don't. And it's usually around issues of sexual ethics, right? But it's just interesting. Did you, do you guys happen to read the Alito opinion when it got leaked out? Um, do you guys no. read any of that? Some. No, I, I saw people um, summarize it. Super fascinating stuff. I mean, I fundamentally agree with a lot of it. Um, and it's well, and that so when you said some of your stuff earlier, like I think there is uh, people have accused me of being like negatively of like being too pragmatic, and I mean I think that in our devotion to Christ and seeking to be like salt and light. And like God's hands and feet, like we we do need to be practical. Not that we like forego morality. Like I can agree. I think we're very unpragmatic sometimes. I think we live so much in our ideals that like we end up in this middle space where if I was pragmatic, I would just pick a tribe and rock and have tons of people listen and follow and make some money. (laughs) The whole like, oh, do you support or do you not support the overturning of Roe? Like pragmatic. And I've been listening to a few different people talk about it. And I've heard a number of people kind of say what you say, Trev, like, oh, there's good and there's bad, but like, I do want to celebrate the good. And I'm like, I feel like there's a lot of theoretical good. And like, I do hope, I I truly do hope that there is real good. Yeah. But I just see so much chaos and we have such a culture of death and selfishness and brutality. And frankly, like the... The party that's fueling this is not a party of, of right. love and tenderness and kindness and flourishing. Yeah. So I'm just like going forward, looking at like what the Supreme Court saying, like, well, here's what's going to be in our sites next. Like, I yeah. don't see how you're like, no, this is good. These are good things that please God and will do good for our fellow neighbors. And I'm just like, I, I don't see how that is a pragmatically likely thing to happen as abortions have been going down and all these other things to go, let's throw a stick of dynamite in this whole thing and have very unloving, harsh people be like, the laws are in our hands now. Yeah. To your point, like the means are not, are not great and they don't justify the Supreme court means too. But I mean, that's, however, let's, I think if we, if we step back a second, 
look at objectively from for a certain point of view like should this decision the original roe decision ever have been made does the constitution guarantee a fundamental right the constitution of you guys have read the constitution of the united states we've read it recently for episodes on this podcast does it guarantee someone no like again i'm fine with theoretically it rose and overstepping. I'm fine with that, but it, yeah. it was the law of the land, and to overturn it, but it wasn't. But no, 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 no. And and this is actually one of the things I want to say. Like a lot of people are saying that it was the no, it wasn't the law of the land. The no? the Supreme Court is not the legislative branch. The legislative branch makes law. The Supreme okay, Court again interprets sure. the documents and laws that we have, and that. I, I think it's important language. Though, so like, since Roe v. Wade, civics yes. one-on-one, like it's not their job to legislate. It's That's their job fine, to but interpret. What was the reality of it, though? The, the reality, reality of it is that's of it what it was, was. The reality was it was that a former court decided magically that the Constitution was the law that guaranteed that, which it's not. Sure. And we just and again, recognize that fact. Don't disagree with that necessarily. So they but, weren't thinking pragmatically necessarily about like all of the whatever that means, but no. I think that's important. Okay. There are important cases in our nation's history where who cares how people like it? This is the right thing to do. And so I think that there is some side of that. Now, like I said, does that mean that everything that led up to it, and this is where we have to reject the binary, right? Because mm-hmm. yeah, sure. just like you're saying, I think that the way it got done withholding as well the justice gaming and manipulation by the Senate that that happened to make sure that they got their people is gross. It's yeah. disgusting. It was wrong and hypocritical, and it and it lost people credibility. And- yeah, you lose yeah. credibility. However, you're doing all these things, and and functionally, yeah. what it probably will do is have a lot of yeah. chaos. So I need to, you know, we need to say that. I think it's important to say that, but I think we also need to separate that at some level from not saying it justifies the ends, sure. but we need to also evaluate the ends on its own merit. If you understand what I'm saying, like right. I, I can't just say, well, the bad team did that. And therefore, it's bad practically because bad people are doing this and intended bad things. Like, well, that's getting a little almost into tribes again. No, I don't disagree. I'm just thinking, like, what is the effect of this going to be? And people are like, it's going to save babies' lives. And it's like, well, it happened. So, like, I hope that eventually that does happen. And even then, really, and then this gets to Vince, one of your key questions, only in certain states, right? Yeah. Because since this basically, and I agree, it's, I, I believe as far as the constitutional argument that that's fair. Um, but what it does now is it kicks it down to each state deciding. And Which can I just say, that's bananas. That, yeah, that's pretty, that's pretty bonkers. <laughs> well, and already, because we've got, had a little bit of time, we've seen a lot of states just get crazy right away with it. So it's like... yeah. yeah. Just because, yeah, it was a bad law, da da da. Like now we've unleashed the Kraken. Just, 
Yeah, oh, and, and so the there's how oh, man, there's a lot of different <laughs> angles and ways you could go about it, but I think it's it's almost it reminds me of and and this is not to make, you know, any necessarily political stance or anything, but it reminds me of when uh, former president Trump got in office and was like we're going to repeal Obamacare. Mm-hmm. And it's like, okay, cool. You know what I'm saying? Like, Obamacare wasn't a perfect system. So if you sure. don't do that, all right, cool. But the, what's, the, what's the replacement of that yeah. wasn't helpful. No. There was nothing to There's put nothing in there. Place to make it better or more accessible or to fix the errors of what Obamacare missed. It was just, we want it gone. Right. And so it's mainly because we don't like Obama. Exactly. And so in the same way, it's like, well, we don't like abortion, so we're going to kick it down to the states. And it's like, well, how does that fix the issue? Yeah. You're, you're, you're proclaiming that you're, you're trying to stop one issue by creating another. And to that point, I mean, let's be clear, too. Like, I'll say there are many companies in America that are providing as part of their health care travel access to states that offer abortion if you're in a state that doesn't. So mm. basically what you've done is created a situation effectively, practically, Philip, um, yeah. where people who have resources and have jobs at these companies that offer higher levels of benefits or in more stable situations are able to access it and to the to the promiscuity person's point, have whatever kind of promiscuity that they want because they've got access sure. to resources, but it doesn't solve anything for the people who really have the resource issues that they're being constrained by. Like, so basically, you just make it where it's criminal for poor people. Yeah, and that's unjust, right? Like that there is an injustice. Oh. To, like if to applying a standard based on wealth, right? Yeah, that's. That's not a just way to proceed. So I think that we should all be able to acknowledge that. And the thing that I've been talking to people is like, yeah, like it's, it's cool. Like, I think it's good that Roe got overturned. However, I don't think the state of things right now is necessarily good because it's like, as a nation, we're saying that a bunch of the states disagree on what is a human being. Yeah. Like, who are we actually giving rights to? Yeah, I uh, I'm gonna put my devil's advocate hat on. So I'm I'm the person who supports the whole kit and caboodle with this whole Roe versus Wade uh, overturn, mm-hmm. and I say, okay, so you're saying that that's an injustice. Mm-hmm. So is justice giving lower income individuals the right to kill a child? The question isn't like that. That's a false binary, right? So like agreed. So, so basically, what the question asks is like, "Well, is the former thing justice?" Right. Listen, we already, already, already answered that question, right? Right. Like we already, already said that I thought overturning Roe was the right decision mm-hmm. uh, for a lot of reasons, and and I think morally is one of them. However, that does not mean that if you take a fair standard, right, that that unborn life is a child, especially at sixteen weeks, right? Like this is this is not hard, and apply it unfairly that you don't have unfairness right uh, a just standard unfairly applied is still injustice sure offsides is a part of the rules of soccer 
But if you only call it on one team, you're doing an injustice. doesn't sure. matter that you're using a just standard. When you apply it unjustly, you have injustice. So right. that's, that's the only point I'm making there. Yeah, I think what justice would look like is having some sort of federal protections for the unborn and mothers at a reasonable stage, which gets us to one of the other many questions. <laughs> There's so many things here, guys. We could like go for two hours on this, but let's let's open this little can of worms. Do it. Life I've I've heard this like interest like the Bible teaches life begins at conception. I might get in deep sure. waters for this one for this segment. What do you what do you guys think? Life begins at conception. Yeah, growing up in conservative circles, like that's like a political talking point that has been like baptized into the Bible. Yeah. Like God knows all things. Like I think if I ever hear scripture, I hear people go to Psalms where David's like, um, you knew me, mm-hmm. like you formed me in my mother's womb. It's like yep. yeah, like God made everybody. Like what yeah. Like if you are reading that through a GOP single issue voter framework, you can kind of insert that in there. Well, and there's other how, there's other uh scriptures too, like they talk about the strongest um, ones. Like that's the one that I hear yeah, far yeah, yeah. the most. I, I think a more like, yeah, God created everything. And I think a nuanced one that's that's actually kind of interesting is um the the passage about John the Baptist leaping for joy. Um, when okay. uh, Mary approached in the womb, so it's like, how old ish was he? Do we think when that happened? Mm-hmm. Um, I do. Far along, pretty far along. Um, so again, I don't know too many people thing, who like, would argue with that. I think I think that's one of the interesting things here is like what the Bible says is life begins in the womb. Mm-hmm. It kind of leaves it there, which which is interesting. Did it, I mean? that is that is interesting it it does say that like it does say at least that much like i, I think you formed yeah, yeah. me in my mother's womb i think that's a fairly good one yeah but people have to understand that saying life begins at conception you're actually making a a medical assessment at a certain point like in the reproductive process that really you don't have any biblical att- attestation for we're not just saying the bible Trevor, just gives you it strongly and say it very loudly and in all caps. Well, you'll learn less. <laughs> <laughs> but I think it's interesting that people get, get so up on this point. And I, I think the reason why the life begins at conception is an interesting and an important. Because here's the thing. I think a lot of people actually, when they say this, live kind of hypocritically. Because like even churches that say like, oh, life begins at conception. Okay. So is there anybody in your church that's using a hormonal contraceptive or an IUD is anybody using a a contraceptive product or any women on the pill that that hardens the uterine wall because if you believe life begins at conception and they're doing that then technically they're all engaged in abortion they're all abortionists mm. because life began at conception that conceived zygote then tried to implant in the uterine wall could not do so and died and they killed it and you believe life can, begins at conception but like, that's what I'm saying. It's not consistent. Okay. And, and I'll say, I'll, I'm not even devil's advocate. I will give people, I'm not sure, like the conversations I've had with folks, not to be insulting. A lot of people say that. Like, it's like, yeah, but it's, they don't it's like, know what they're talking this about. This is my position. My point. Not exactly. Not like, I believe this so strong. It's like, 
I've decided this is my thing. And that's not very biblical, thoughtful. Like that is not a very good way to approach things. Yeah. I've had the conversation with folks where I, you know, where I know that they're going to be in for a long conversation. They're, they're willing to listen. Right. And I'll, I'll drop the bomb. I don't believe life can, begins at conception. And they're like, oh, oh, what? And of course, like, like our talking with, points with you our said- binary, with our binary sure. immediately, it goes to like, well, then you must believe in like the okayness of late term abortions then. And like, like whoa, right. Yeah. Whoa. It goes like, super extreme. It's like, actually, almost no. immediately. There's a lot of other actually really good options. And and what's interesting is in reading the uh, Samuel Alito opinion and some of the historical work that he was talking about there, people in the 1700s, they had this term called quickening, which I found really interesting, where they basically, when the baby first moved, that's when they thought it was alive, mm. which if you think about it, makes sense. Like for them, it was the earliest possible point that they could detect life in the womb they could actually actually detect that the what was in there was alive it could be miscarry from there but that mm. that it hadn't already miscarried right like they could tell okay this this is a pregnancy that's that's going that was when they d- decided okay at that point if if the if you take action to end that baby's life that's how they defined abortion i think that's super fascinating because you basically have people in history saying, okay, the earliest possible point that we can determine that this, this human being is alive, that's the point that we determine. And when approximately is that? Quickening? Oh, quickening was, is fairly late, right? It's when the baby is formed enough yeah, that, and big enough that the mother can feel it move. Like right? But they, they don't have ultrasounds. They don't have, you know what I mean? Like we're talking sure. pre all that. Yeah. We do. So I think that, yeah. that moves the timeline back. Yeah. If, and if we're going off that principle with the way science and technology has developed our our ability to be able to see life or detect life has gone a lot earlier than that standard. Mm-hmm. And so I, I tend to, I know that my, my wife, my wife's a doctor. And so she had this, we, her and I were, were having this conversation and I think she might have. Uh, a couple points to push back on the conception idea, but yeah, and and oftentimes it's because you know working with obstetricians, like you're going to see a lot of different and very special cases, mm-hmm. and so she gets to take those things into account as the as the questions being asked. But I think for regular people like us, I think I, I tend to agree with that perspective. Honestly, mm-hmm. that we don't give rights to eggs and we don't give rights to sperm. Those two things don't haven't met, right? And and we would agree that life life hasn't started separate from those two things joining, right? And conception doesn't always lead to implementate or um, implantation, implantation, implantation. Law, yeah. I've literally been seeing that on LinkedIn for like <laughs> implementation, uh, uh, but I'm it doesn't lead. Fun. So for that reason, if we're saying, okay, we want to be consistent to protect life, let's protect it when it starts. And and it's also having this conversation of what are we trying to accomplish? Mm -hmm. What are we trying to regulate by saying life starts at conception, life starts at conception, life starts at conception. It's like, okay, even if we ran with that, the goal is to do what? Yeah. It's not a bad question. Yeah. There are, if you look into histories of various things, there's a lot of 
interesting patterns out there. Yeah. Uh, you don't want to make any too broad uh, statements on that, but I think that is a very good question. I, I think I said this before, but to me, life beginning at implantation is a sensible medical standard that has the nice thing that it kind of accords with the broad principle of as early as viable pregnancy is detected, uh, assigning life at that point is seems to be what, what other people have done. Yeah. You know, that way, that way you're ruling out like fallopian pregnancies. Um, you're ruling out like weird stuff. Like, so like life begins at conception. You have a couple of problems. Fallopian pregnancies is one of them, right? So the fertilized egg doesn't travel fully down the fallopian tube and implants into the fallopian wall, which is, could be fatal to a mother. Yes. Right. And that, and it isn't a viable pregnancy. Like there is no case where that child can survive in that state. And in that sense, it doesn't have life, you know, like it's, it's not a, it's not a real viable pregnancy. And so life beginning at conception saying that if we terminate that pregnancy, that we've killed a human being, like it's a weird moral standard. Um, And then the other one that's weird is identical twins begin from a single zygote. So if life begins at conception, they have one life, they have one soul, the two of them. It's just just the one life, actually, (laughs) (laughs) which is weird. Um, Obviously, there's obviously two lives there. So like conception in that case also is a is a really weird time to assign life. So there's medical issues with assigning life at conception. Yeah. Now, what if somebody pushed back on that idea and said, okay, so by, by standard of implementation, implementation. Said, in a set of twins, only one of them has a soul. <laughs> no, no, no. I wasn't going <laughs> to. Uh, so no, no, no. Uh, this episode and the tethered man. <laughs> oh, geez. Uh, no, but what if somebody hears you say, okay, by your standard, you're saying life starts at implantation. So yeah. the sperm meets the egg, and, and once those two things happen, then boom, life has started. Uh-huh. Okay, but then you just talked about, I think it's called ectopic pregnancies or fallopian yeah, pregnancies. Yeah. And so at that point, by your definition, life has started. No. But, no, that's not true. It's a misunderstanding of my definition. No, no, it's, I, I know. I, I understand. I'm, I'm, I'm talking okay. in real time. Well, that's the not the state of the devil's advocate. Is, well, you, you're okay. wrong at I that point. You. <laughs> you know, because a, a, a general understanding is saying, oh, well, it just didn't travel to the right spot. But the standard in which egg meets sperm happened. And so yeah. they're, they're pushing back that the life has started, even though it isn't continuing in the right spot. Cool, cool that you think that, but there's lots of problems with it. Like I said, yeah, <laughs> like go go talk to an obstetrician, for example. <laughs> <laughs> I got you. Well, and, and the reason why I bring these things up and play the devil's advocate is because we ought to embrace the idea of being humble enough to say you have your points, and we often talk about it. Intellectual integrity. You can have your point of belief in this particular process and all of these different areas, but it's also embracing the idea that there is someone who could have better information to allow you to think either better or think differently. Yeah. I want to, I want to push the point a little bit again on consistency here also, like, like Philip was saying earlier, like people don't really think through it, but like if your standard is life begins at conception and you are using the pill or or some other kind of form of contraceptive. Like, 
this is very interesting for you because you have chosen a contraceptive method for your marriage or, or whatever's going on in your relationship that you believe causes like is abortion. Hmm. And, and either you didn't care in it. Like, yeah, so what's the standard that you're applying to other people? They're not being careful sexually. Like when you're violating your own sexual ethic, mm-hmm. your sexual ethic says I should, you know, responsible sex leads to, you know, not aborting babies. If you're, if that's part of what your thing is that you're saying, but then your standard is life is begins at conception and you're using these drugs that destroy, you know, conceived in that sense, um, fertilized eggs, then what, what are you doing? You know what I mean? Like you, you should think through your life in a way that is trying to be morally consistent. And that's, that's how I ended up coming to some of these things is that I started doing the research because, you know, when I was getting married, I was trying to figure this stuff out, right? Because yeah. it matters. I wanted to make a morally important choice. And I, th- I think it's interesting that like we can decry the sexual frivolity of other people, but when it comes to our own choices, like if it's just a frivolous thing for us too, oh, whatever, it doesn't matter. Like, just that, that is what everybody does. Isn't that the same thing? Yeah. Phil, yeah. You, you don't see like There's you're a... t- entirely on board. No, I don't disagree. I'm, I was kind of thinking, I was looking at the time going, we don't have a ton of time left thinking about like, I did want to make, <laughs> I, I did want to highlight one more part of this. Yeah. Because I mean, this is big. I'm sure we will return so to big. things in the future on maybe reflex or topic toss up shows here. Um, I'm just thinking about like us and like the church Mm. and Christ followers in the culture. Now Mm. that it has been overturned, all three of us now currently live in different States. Mm -hmm. There's different. We care about people who are in different States because of the internet. We're connected to everybody right now. So like, Mm -hmm. how do we conduct ourselves? Like, yes, how do we think, but also how do we conduct ourselves with people who we agree with, who we disagree with, who are elated, people who are, like, terrified and anxious. Like, I'm just thinking, like, moving forward, what are, what are some of our thoughts? How would we encourage our listeners? What do we think as far as, like, so, so now what? As far as uh, the part of our witness where we are seeking to care for women and children, care for families promote flourishing what are some closing thoughts on that regard i'll I'll jump in with a couple thoughts let me give you three things real quick one i think people should feel free to celebrate what they believe here is a moral good and you should be cautious and acknowledge some of the 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 means etc that we talk about but like i i don't think that there should be any problem with being joyous if you believe this is a good thing like that and i and i believe that it is a good thing that we're we're saying, no, it's not a constitutionally protected right to destroy an unborn life, right? Um, I, I, think, I think there is, there's, it's, it's reasonable to celebrate that one. Um, two, I think it's also good to empathize with people who don't share that same perspective, try not to other, put them in the other camp, put them in the monster camp, put them in the degenerate camp, but um, to listen to people, to think about it. Um, I, th- I think by, by trying to create those camps, we just play into the enemy's desire to divide and, and so strife. And we have to recognize what comes from the Lord and what doesn't. 
and sowing strife and discord and being mean-spirited in the sake of truth is the devil's way. It's not God's way. Even if Mm. you think you're doing it pursuing capital T truth as you understand it, the devil's very happy for you to do that in a way that is very unchristlike in in the way that you treat other people. So that would be the second thing I'd say. And then the third thing I'd say is that I think as the church, we should be looking to welcome, like because of the situation we're describing where a lot of the poor and the downtrodden are being left with less less options, we should say, okay, this is our moment to step up and to serve, to be gentle, to be kind, to be understanding, to be loving, and to be ready to sacrifice, because in theory, it should demand more of the church now to be able to step up and provide greater support, right? I would expect that there are going to be more women who are seeking help, for example, through pregnancy centers. Are we ready? Are we ready to care for people, to care for these women with open arms? And are we creating, because of the things that we've done in step two, are we creating an environment that is going to be welcoming and, and a place that they would want to be helped? Or are we creating an antagonistic space that feels hostile that they want to flee from um, by, by going and get an abortion in a different state? So, so I think we have really key critical choices on how we're going to step up as the church in this issue. We could show ourselves to be gracious, kind, loving, and, and the people of our word who said that we care for unborn lives. And I think a lot of people who are doing that in a big way through fostering, through adoption, um, but, and through supporting these things. But I think the whole church also needs to make sure to be leaning into this and be thinking about it in those terms of like, this is our time to lean in on these issues, because if this has the effect we say we want it to have, we should have a lot more work to do. I, I, I don't disagree at all. I've just had trouble with, again, the fact that so many women seek abortion because of a vast number of reasons, but many of them have to do with economic and like social standing and things like that. It being hard to do because of the society we live in, like they feel like they, they can't with the support and going to the point where a lot of people are criminalizing that and go, well, now the church, it's time to really like step up. Like, and I'm not saying the church isn't doing good. Like there are plenty of churches that are doing good, that are supporting pregnancy centers that do have strong cultures of adoption and fostering. It's just that I have, I just have a lot of trouble looking at so many churches over the last, like we said, the last six years or so compromising their witness, jumping on the bandwagon just to get things done to attack like the final part of this broken system and going, all right, guys, like now we need to step up. It's like, man, (laughs) like we do need to step up. You think maybe there's some repentance that needs to come first. In yeah, some cases. And self-awareness. Yeah. And I mean, it's I'm I am very optimistic. I I believe in the church. I believe that like God is doing good things in the church and I I I pray and hope and I'm trying to be a good uh good witness where, where I'm planted. And I don't know, I'm I would like to be more optimistic that uh 
all the churches who were so rah-rah anti-abortion are going to be doing good and helping vulnerable women and things like that now. But we'll, we'll see. Yeah, I get that because it's, it's almost saying, hey, I'm going to beat you up, but then come to me to get your bruises fixed. It's like, why, yeah. why would I even come to you? I'm going to support the, uh, the bandit union, but then like when you get robbed, right, I'll, I'll, I'll take care of you. You know what I'm saying? So I, yeah. I agree with you, Phil, that, you know, I think it, I, I agree with both of you. Like, this is our time to step up, but I also believe that this is probably one of the hardest times to be seen as a light and a beacon because of what, what preceded this 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 particular victory that's being celebrated or, or or whatever because it's it is like you said in in not this episode but a different episode it, it really it whether you believe it's true or not it makes women feel like second class citizens yeah and we can't run away that yeah. that feeling that's been imposed on these on these women was by the hands of a lot of people who claimed to represent Christ. Yeah. And so to say, come on back, come on over here. We did this thing to you. We gave you that lashing. Now come on over here and bring those kids. And we got all those resources. You know what I'm saying? It's like, why would I come to you? And so we, like you said, Trev, I think that's a key thing is, is not necessarily saying, Oh, uh, our, our understanding of, Roe being overturned was wrong or, or maybe certain justifications on the moral aspect more than it is just repentance of like, yo, how we went about this, though we believe that XYZ thing is good, how we went about this was on your neck. Yeah. And we need to repent for that because when we ought to embrace the, the idea of repentance, because mm. it's, you know, a part of that thing we call the gospel that, you know, brings people closer to God. So it's not, it shouldn't be a foreign concept, but it's going to take that and the swallowing of pride and the, and, and the really embracing of humility to say, which is a hard thing to say, even in, you know, personal situations, but to say we were wrong on how we did this. Mm. We were wrong. Yeah. And that, and that shouldn't be a, a controversial thing. It should be embraced because, like you said, Phil, the level of self-awareness needs to be there. Now, will this happen? I, you, I think you're a little more optimistic than me on this one, Phil. I don't, I don't, I'm, <laughs> I, don't I mean, think, I don't know. <laughs> I don't think it will, or at least I don't think it will soon. Because if you are in an echo chamber and mm. you're coming away from this saying, we did a good thing, does it matter? how we did it, we did it, we accomplished a good thing. And then everybody around you is saying, yo, we absolutely did accomplish a good thing. Then the idea of repentance is either going to be seen as an admission of defeat, like we actually didn't win or we actually didn't do a good thing, or people will take it to the extreme of saying, if I say I'm sorry, I'm justifying the thing I thought was immoral. So it makes it really hard when you are in and surrounded by voices that agree with you and bolster up your, your rhetoric. It makes it very hard to see yourself and say, you know what, I need to stop. The Holy Spirit, he can do whatever he wants. And I think this is going to take a lot of prayer from, from, from other believers. But um, I, I am, I am, I'm hopeful that the Lord will, will work on hearts and start to, to break them up. But mm. 
I, I, I am a lot less optimistic on that front, if I'm being honest. Vince, yeah. I want to underline something that you said, too, about, like, I, I think it's important to recognize the ways in which this does a lot of a lot of this puts the onus back on women. It puts the responsibility solely at the feet of women. It's very like, you know, well, this is this is a women's thing. This is, you know, if, if this is happening, if, if abortions being considered, it's woman's fault. And it's really interesting, especially in light of all of the you know, hype around biblical manliness <laughs> that, and the importance of manhood and stuff like that, that like, sure. like, I think there needs to be also a recognition of the man's responsibility. And it's like when, when women have been left to bear responsibility all on their own, having empathy and being able to come alongside as well in that and, and, mm. and, and recognizing the injustice of that and in, in itself well as well. Yeah. People have their responsibilities to bear in some levels. And, and I think that there might be ways, right, if, if men are, are actually starting to look to contraceptives more because of this, that maybe that helps. But at the same time, I think we as a church have to be careful about what we're saying about women, about men, about their responsibilities, about, you know, the sins involved here and how, who that falls on. Because there's two situations. Sometimes a man's sin, even just by himself, just his sin against a woman, is laid at the foot of the woman. That sure. happens, right? See our sexual abuse episodes. But also then there's times when, even when there's a sins together of a man and a woman, it's still completely laid at the foot of the woman. And that's I, I think that we need to be careful about how, you know, plant, we need to not fall into that trap either, because I think that that yeah. is a, a sinful evil trap to fall into also i wouldn't mind seeing more legislation around that yeah mm. well so, we got a little bit stuff. already there's the <laughs> initial the there's initial reactions stuff. yeah reactions on the overturning of row um man definitely unquestionably one of the most momentous supreme sure. court decisions in our lifetime if not yeah. the I think it for me, I'm okay putting the 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 the, the most momentous um, I'm not Supreme Court decision. Expert, but I mean, I feel like at this point, I can't really think of anything that touches it as far as uh, power and uh, effect. Yeah. So I know y'all have thoughts. Yeah. For sure. <laughs> <laughs> I know. So yeah, uh, we know that there's and there's going to be a lot of conversation around this for a long time, and election year is on its way. Ugh. So uh, conversations on this are about to probably ramp up uh, even more than they are now. And so we want to we want to lend our voice, and we want to also lend you know our hearts to to care for those who are affected by this. And so definitely, uh, so you're the voicemail. So give us a call if you want to share your thoughts. So we definitely are looking forward to engaging with you all um, on what we've said, what's being said, and um, we can't wait for that, for that feedback. I'd be shocked if we don't uh, touch back on a topic toss-up soon. All right, fellas. Shout-outs. Shout-outs. Shout well, I will go ahead and dive in. Um, You're going to bless our playlist, Fence? Oh, yeah. We blessing the playlist <laughs> with names you know. <laughs> Whoa. Oh, These are actual people. Who exists? <laughs> Not a popular artist, Vince. Are you selling out on us? No, 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 no. It might be a deep track. Maybe not. I don't know. I don't. I don't like, know. Like, will me and uh, will the listeners know it, or will just like me and Philip know? 
No, everybody will know the, the two names I'm about to mention. Everybody will know. All right, I want to poll afterwards, Phil. I want a social media poll. Did you know? <laughs> Everyone yeah. know. Did you know the name of this? I want to see the yes and no's on this. See what's okay, hit me All right, all right, hit him. All right, so uh, blessing your playlist with a, uh, an older track, but a really, really good one by uh, Justin Timberlake uh, featuring Chris Stapleton called Say Something. Mm. It's just a really well done song. Uh, the the flow, the rhythm, the melodies. Um, it's it's just a it's a well done song. Like if I I don't know if you guys have even watched Stranger Things. I'm not cut up yet though. Okay, I, I don't want to spoil it, but that would be the song to save me from the main antagonist. I'll just say that. Okay, because I've been listening to that one so well. So yeah, say something by Justin Timberlake featuring Chris Stapleton. Nice. Um, for my shout out this week, I, I am not the biggest fan of, I'm chatting on a TV show. Um, I've complained before. I don't know if I have on this podcast, but just with time and all my responsibilities and the just media glut that is out there all the time, I get real irritated when shows drop whole seasons at once. And then, like, social media gives you, like, about a five-hour window where you can maybe avoid spoilers. But it's just, like, yeah. you're just dumping seasons left and right. But um, there uh, recently was a new show. Uh, dropped the whole season. There's eight episodes. They're a half hour each. Nobody, like, it's a brand new thing. Um, they're short episodes. But it was nice because you didn't have to wait over two months to watch it. It's really cool. It's called The Bear. It's uh, on FX and it's on Hulu. You can watch it. It's about this cook from the fine dining world. Um, after a tragedy, he inherits this uh, like sandwich shop in Chicago. And it's really kind of fast paced. There's cooking, there's drama. Um, it's funny. It's touching. It's a really good show. And yeah, like eight 22 minute episodes. It goes by real nice. And having them all there at once kind of got me hooked, like waiting every week for 22 minutes. It could have actually got lost in the flow. So this is like maybe the one time that I get my stamp of approval of dropping a whole season at once. So I uh, check nice. out the bear. If you have Hulu, there you go. Nice. Sweet. I'm going to do a kind of a show also, but a YouTube show. It's, it's like, not a deep take at all either so kind of goes along with uh, the flavor of justin timberlake which yeah that's a that's that's a pretty mainstream poll there <laughs> but yeah youtube series from first we feast hot ones nice i i had known about it for a long time and had heard Particular it. Episode had not had not yet but had not actually watched any single episode of hot ones ever until really? yesterday okay yeah. Um, when I checked out, um, the episode with Gordon Ramsay, which had a lot of language, but was, boy, that's really, like, really, that's got over a hundred million views. I believe. Yeah, it does. It's really funny. Um, but then I watched the second one with him on a holiday special and they gave people awards for different things. And so then I went and go out and watch those episodes. And I do recommend the episode with Tyra Banks. That one is a riot. Is pretty hilarious because she like admits right up front that she doesn't do hot sauce <laughs> and she doesn't really like spicy food and she's sitting there on hot ones. And it's like, I think she was kind of trying to like promote the book that her and her mom have wrote, and she literally goes through a lot of pain. 
to promote this book at one point making the cameraman eat the hot wing <laughs> because Dang. he couldn't do it it's been a minute it's, i've seen almost all of them it's really really funny um he's a great interviewer actually so i'll, I'll get um we haven't done this in a little while but hot ones is where i got um some of the the guest episodes where we have those fun questions at the end the sean evans is where i got like asking people's friends and family like the the off the wall side questions from he's a really good interviewer yeah um yeah he does his research really well um and like it's it's fun the way that like if he was just sitting in front of mike interviewing somebody would be kind of boring because like he's very just by the book like he did his research and here's he's gonna say what he's gonna say but that whole thing becomes a brilliance when the context is they're eating really really spicy wings and his guest is dying and he's just sitting there really like reading questions while they die and gag he's <laughs> going sudden. through it too it's, it is a really fun oh, he's, uh, in, yeah, he's in there with them place. but his but he but he's a stone wall like have you seen the man like the well, man's gets, gut must be made of steel he gets like affected he, by the way. He might glisten a little bit, but like he is not going through near the suffering, it seems like. I mean, maybe he is, but he's not showing it. I mean, when you do it 200 times, yeah, you probably get used to it. The man, the man is made of steel. It's amazing. Sounds but, like a monster. Yeah, it's, it's pretty. And then, yeah, and then he just, my favorite is when they're just dying and he's just reading the question. Like, it's, it's, it's really funny. Um, anyway. Cool. And, and yeah, you learned some good right. stuff. So hot ones. I mean, it's not like a deep take. I'm sure there's tons of people like Trev. You just watched hot ones yesterday. Why are you even doing substance shoutouts? Which I mean, I don't know. Ask Philip. We can do whatever um, we want. Substance shoutouts. Ask, ask, ask Philip. It's our segment. <laughs> it's Philip's segment. But it's our segment. It's our segment. I own it too. You're right. Uh, but yeah, no, Daniel Clue is the most recent one. I haven't watched that one yet, but he was out there promoting Nope, yeah. which comes out on there Friday. You know. This um yeah, oh that sounds like fun. Um, pre-order. I just this got my one of those weeks. Oh, nice. Uh, this is one of those weeks where I actually had like multiple things I could shout out. So we'll see if I remember some of them for next time. Um, and I will Wait. say before we get to the back matter stuff, I recorded my first show. Oh yeah, that I can promote here. Um, this show I imagine will be releasing on the thirty-first. So last Wednesday, the twenty-seventh. Um, my internet friend Dave Hallahan and his buddy uh, at the Gospel According to podcast had me on, and we talked the Gospel According to Batman. Uh, I had a good time, so nice. check that out. That should be out in uh, all the all the platforms now. The Gospel According to. Hey, me. do you know Jesus as your Lord and Savior? <laughs> <laughs> That's uh, if I, I mean, definitely... that could that in, but that would be a good bumper. <laughs> Do you want to bring it back definitely... again? Also, copy and paste that. So that yeah, the, uh... I definitely couldn't see Batman evangelizing. <laughs> maybe I just do a maybe I just do a longer segment at the end. Well, no, just it's self-admitted. It's a little Jesus jukey, but I felt like they did it pretty well. I, I I had a really really good time talking with them about Batman. Love it. Sweet. That's fun. Give them the business, Phil. Oh, yes. This is the time where we say, hey, guys, we're glad to have you here with us. Uh, we love that you listen to The Substance. We really love it when you share The Substance. If you haven't given The Substance 
a five-star rating and review. Uh, ratings are great, but ratings and reviews are even better because you give somebody a sentence or two to kind of sell them on, hey, like, why do you like the substance so much? We love that. Um, if you want to continue in your support, um, we'd love to invite you uh, to support us at the anchor link in the show notes or on the website. You can sign up at 5 or $10 a month. We put out a free show. We try to make it a high-quality show. We're never going to charge you guys, but in this uh, economy of where we all pay for the things we like, um, we we always appreciate it when folks join in to support us and say, hey, like I value what you guys do because it takes time, it takes effort, energy, editing, promotion, getting all of our schedules set, keeping the website up and running. So if the substance brings value to your life, we'd appreciate it if you consider supporting us. But if monthly support is not really your deal, but you want to throw us a couple bucks, you can do that at dollar sign, the substance pod. Sometimes every month or so, people give us five, 10, 20 bucks, whatever. If, if you got a little extra and you're particularly blessed or have enjoyed the show, consider throwing us a little tip at dollar sign, the substance pod on cash app. Visit us at thesubstancepod.com. There you will find our socials in the upper right corner of the home screen. You'll see our latest episodes, our most recent episodes. Go to our episodes page, and you'll be able to go to those, engage with our comment section on each episode. So if you have any thoughts about this one or any other uh, that we've done, um, you can leave your comments in the comment section. We also have the blessed playlist on our uh, website. So if you want to listen to songs we've shouted out or just songs that we like, then you can listen to that on the substancepod.com. Um, fair warning, there is a splish splash of language in some of the songs. So um, it's 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 said. So if you have convictions toward that, um, definitely avoid those songs, uh, but enjoy the others that don't. Um, so visit us at the substancepod.com. And I'll tell you, on this one, the year of the voicemail 2022, our phone line is open to hear your thoughts on this episode i will go ahead and tell you right up front it will only record for three minutes so if you can go ahead and keep it real nice and civil and real concise too on this one but we would love to hear from you like we said earlier we this issue's totally complex like what did we leave out we're three dudes talking about this issue too that you know impacts men but impacts women a lot as well um what what kind of things would you like to add, you know, as uh, for the female voices out there or what things uh, for anybody you wish that we had covered? What do you think about the things that we did cover? Give us a call. Leave us a message at 913-703-3883. Our email address is on the website. You can also type it in the substance pod at gmail.com. I'm Trevor Aiken. One of your three co-hosts. And I'm Philip. And I'm Vincent. And we'd like to welcome you back in two weeks for our next episode here on Substance. We go. You know Jesus as your Lord and Savior. You gotta bring it back again. Also, copy and paste that so that at the end, I definitely couldn't see Batman evangelizing. <clears throat> we'll never. We'll probably never. Good golly, we will probably never have to deal with the ramifications of that happening.